Hello everyone, my name is Jason Ramirez and welcome to Season 5, Episode 3 of the Hit List Podcast. A podcast where me and guests cross off films from our watch list and discuss them. I'm joined today by a returning guest. She's an actress and she's a YouTuber. And some people, like she just said to me before we started recording, some people pay to watch her eat cough chops while she's watching a movie. I'm not too sure <laughs> no, about that. No, no, uh, that's ma- not what I said. It's, Cl- it's Clarice. Welcome Clarice. Thank you so much for coming back. And what, what did you... Is that what you said? <laughs> no, no, that's not what I meant. I meant it's I have a I have a bit of a track record of constantly eating while I watch movies, mm. but I keep most of that for my full links on Patreon. So I was like, it's okay. They're paying to watch me eat, basically. <laughs> They're not actually paying to watch me eat. They're paying for analysis and entertainment. But I'm hungry. So So, so it's a feature. It's a feature. Yeah, it's a feature. Saying. Food is featured on the videos some asmr i guess (laughs) but thank you so much for having me back i'm really excited to be back on the podcast this time on video because people have have been asking for that for like actual years by now it's it's been years they keep asking for videos so well that's awesome i'm happy that now i'm on the visual so hey guys (laughs) so before we get started i have two questions for you first question ask i ask everyone have your viewing habits changed since the last time you were on the show? Ooh, viewing habits. Uh, do you mean like the things that I've watched or how yeah. I watch things? So when I asked you when you first came on, first episode, I asked, what's your viewing habits whenever you watch a movie? Do you sit down and watch your favorites or you watch something new? But since uh... you were on the podcast, has that habit changed? I think so. Um, mostly just from from YouTubing. I find that I have a bit more of a keen eye to know what I feel like watching. And it tends to be things that are new. I've just been watching a lot of films for the first time recently that are I'm really excited to put out on the channel, but as well as outside where uh, I'm just finding more of the intrigue where I'm like, okay, what film kind of speaks to me? Similar to like this one that we were talking about with searching. And then I'll sit down and watch that. But then on occasion, I'll watch something else. But still, uh, recently, I'm having more of a first-time watch phase where I'm enjoying watching things that I've never seen before, especially TV shows. I recently finished the show show, um, Severance. Not sure if you've seen that show yet, but it's incredible. It's incredible. And so I think just watching a lot of original content has gotten me into changing those habits. So I'm looking at your YouTube page. Uh, You recently saw... Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Jurassic Park yes. 3. Um, fun fact, Jurassic Park 3 is the first Jurassic Park movie I ever saw. Really? Um, oh, my is. God. <laughs> so it holds nostalgic value for you. It's it's fine. Like, I watched it when okay. it was on TBS. And I, okay. I, it was apparently the only movie they will show from the, from the franchise that they will show on TBS, like, constantly. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was just always on. No, so I remember that. saw The Predator... Uh, the Predator 2 and everything everywhere all at once. Okay, so uh, I think we did discuss this. You wanted to watch Prey for the podcast, but unfortunately that was already chosen by the time you chose yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, guys, go listen to the Prey. That was with Sophia Fan. That was episode yeah, one of absolutely. this season. My second question. <laughs> I'm going to have fun asking this question. Okay. Hey, all right. If you was a squirrel and I was an acorn and you saw me across the way, would you go nuts for me? Oh my god. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Did you come up with that question? Yes. Oh my god. 
So the answer is no. I, I did not come up with that question, but I love asking that question because it's just so strange. That is a fantastic question. I love it. That is amazing. I love bizarre questions like that because it makes me think of one of the first times I was in um in like a kind of like a theater kid, like interviewing uh, like a famous or kind of famous like successful actor per se one of my classmates because we were all in a theater group they had us like write in little notes and they would draw questions from a hat to ask Mm. the actress um and it was jasmine sky i think i i'm i'm gonna hate myself if i ruin her name but she was from the wonder years i'm pretty sure jasmine guy i think yeah jasmine guy jasmine guy there we go uh it was jasmine guy and my schoolmate like wrote the most bizarre question it was something like if you were stranded in a spaceship heading towards like something in an other galaxy who would you pick as your romeo to your juliet like it was <laughs> that bizarre and he signed it with his name and the interviewer oh. looked at him and was like the fuck and she, but she answered it it was great she answered it so i love i love icebreaker questions like that i think i'm not the biggest fan of acorns so i don't okay. know if, but if i'm a squirrel i mean i would probably go nuts because i feel like i've been really hungry <laughs> recently so yeah yeah you heard it here for her question. first folks clarice would go nuts for me all right there you go you got it you got it on the podcast man <laughs> all right well today um like this whole season so far we are only going to be discussing one film and today we're going to be discussing searching a 2018 film with john cho as a lead so searching is a 2018 mystery thriller film directed by anish chaganti in his feature deb- debut written by chaganti and sev ohanian and produced by timur bekmambetov Set entirely on computer screens and smartphones, the film follows a father, played by John Cho, trying to find his missing 16-year-old daughter, played by Michelle La, with the help of a police detective, played by Deborah Messing. This was the first mainstream Hollywood thriller headlined by an Asian-American actor. So this was on my list, and Clarice also chose it. So Clarice, why, was, why did you choose this film from my watch list? I was interested for a couple of reasons, primarily because I remember when this film debuted, some notable reviewers that I watched, like Chris Tuckman, Jeremy Jans, were all kind of raving about searching. And particularly because I actually just wrapped a collab that'll be coming out later this month, where I watched the Blair Witch Project for the first time. I was really interested in watching something that's playing off of that found footage style or internet, like telling a story through a different medium and uh because i just heard that this movie does it well i was most interested in that aspect i knew it was a thriller and i've always found that especially with the pandemic now doing zoom films like i was telling you off camera i wrapped a zoom film earlier this year you know we're seeing more of this medium of telling stories through the internet devices that we use to communicate and so that really intrigued me about searching and that's what uh, that's what got me interested and why I picked it. Awesome. The reason why I was, this was on my list is because uh, I want to say I'm that huge of a fan of John Cho, but I am. Yes. Uh, I do follow his work, uh, mm-hmm. except for I Cowboy Bebop. I do love John Cho. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not <laughs> the, I'm not, no. I'm not watching Cowboy Bebop. No. Um, but other than that, I was also intrigued by the fact that this is the first 
Hollywood th- th- um, thriller. This is going to mess me up. Thriller. Um, thriller. With an Asian American <laughs> actor as the lead. Yes. And when I, I was thinking about that, I'm like, wait, is that true? Because like, Yes, that's bizarre. It's like a whole, maybe like a century, at least a century worth of movies from Hollywood. And this is the first one of Asian American lead for a thriller. For a yes. movie like this. And it's I was bizarre. Like, and he... Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And he's a he's a really good lead. Like he's Absolutely. He's incredible. I love John Cho in this. And do you remember this tweet he made? Uh I'm not sure if he I'm not sure if he made the tweet, but basically someone famous said like uh get John Cho as like an as like a superhero or whatever, or cast him as a superhero. Yeah, and they were like do remember that. They were like Photoshop him as like a superhero in like a lot of Marvel properties and like yes. DC Comics properties. I guess that's kind of like what started like the, the I don't want I don't want to say trend because usually trends die. That's what started like the I guess trying to I can't find another better word. The trend of like getting more diverse actors into like lead films. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think Kiki Kwan, um and I'm sorry if I pronounce his name uh wrong, but from Everything Everywhere All at Once. You've seen mm-hmm. that film, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Great film. Yeah. <laughs> and um Kiki Kwan said something about how that's what inspired him to go back into acting was he saw Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. And was like, wait, there is a place for people that look like me as leading roles. And then mm-hmm. I remember from I don't follow Twitter much, but I do remember what you're talking about about John Cho, <laughs> where it's like, yes, it's only about painting that visual first for the audiences and then they see it happening. But if you mm-hmm. don't have that first person that introduces it to you, that takes that chance and says, here, let's hire an Asian American actor to be. And I'm sure they probably I don't know. I do not know, but I don't know if they had in mind to hire an Asian American actor to begin with. But just mm. speaking on diversity, it's like when you think of let's hire someone that's not the typical norm and let's put them in a leading role. That's really all the audiences need. And then as long as you know you tell a good story, your film's good and yeah. you do a good job, then audiences are like, "Wait, why haven't we seen this?" Why don't we do this more often? And so I like that actors like Kiki Kwan, like, you know, something like a, um, like Crazy Rich Asians, as much as you can think of it what you will, does something for those people. And that's, you know, the power of representation, which is awesome. Yeah, and it's crazy because, like, the Goonies, almost all the male, act- male actors that are on that movie have gone on to have successful yes. careers. And yes. they're, like, enriched by the community. Like, everyone loves them. Yes. They're, like, some of them are in Marvel movies, except for him. Because he yes. had difficulty finding lead roles that weren't stereotypical of Asian characters. Exactly. And that's why he kind of gave it up until he saw Crazy Rich Asians. And I, that always, like, disheartens me. It just... It's so... Yeah. It breaks my heart when I hear that. Like, bro, like, he, he wanted to do it. And you can see he could, he could still do it. Oh, he did absolutely. It Inc- well. Incredible acting. Something I saw recently is thinking about it. It's like, imagine how much you know, great art was robbed from us because we didn't have him for 20 years. Right. Because he's clearly brilliant. It's like, imagine the work of Josh Brolin, Sam Mm. Astin, who are all from the Goonies, who've created amazing work. And now here's another talented actor that just went by the wayside because because of this issue. So it's really nice to, as disheartening as it is that that time has passed and that's what it cost. Now, hopefully, we can start anew and something like searching where you're seeing John Cho do his thing, and it's so great. It's like, give me more of these kinds of films, please. 
All right, so let's get back onto topic with searching.、Uh, let's not go all over the place because even、mm-hmm. as much as a good discussion, I will have to edit this later. <laughs> yes,、um, I know. So、he、with searching, it, guys, <laughs> what was <laughs> fun fact? He told me、uh, I'm trying to be very, very fact, mindful、guys. of what I say. <laughs> I, I did like a features of like、um, Latinos who've been guests on the podcast、uh, for Hispanic Heritage Month and for International Podcast Day. And a fun fact to put for Clarice is, is that. Um, she's the reason why I have time limits on my episodes now, <laughs> <Yeah> . because <laughs> the episode, full episode that's available to listen to now, it's two two hours and twenty minutes, but、oh、the full、God. discussion was like like three hours, maybe、yeah. give or take. So I'm being very、yeah. mindful. I'm being very yeah.、Mindful. I had more time then. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, the props of success. You know, you run out of time and you got to do things quicker. So for searching, what was your th- first thought when you? We're watching the movie. I think my first thought, because I had seen—I don't know if I had seen the trailer, but I had seen reviews about it, like non-spoilery reviews, a while ago. So I knew coming in that this was a missing person story. But I think the beginning, that montage, my, the whole journey of this family in the first five minutes of this film, immediately it hit this wave of nostalgia. For、mm-hmm. me, that I'm like they've nailed this, and it got me so much more intrigued into the story because it's like the sound, the the computer sound, the dun dun. Like we all, if you're of a certain age, we all experience that, like、mm-hmm. internet, like Windows Explorer, the screensavers. Like we've experienced all of this, or at least I did growing up, and so it brought on this wave of nostalgia that just very effectively connected. Okay. This is a family. Watch their whole journey. This is what they're living in now, and I think that was just such a beautifully effective form of exposition. That is like it does the same thing that any old montage does. It was just told in such a new way that I found it refreshing, and it got me really excited for what what I was about to see in the movie. Yeah. So that first scene、uh, when you see the the grassy hill is the most probably the most viewed picture around the world. Yes,、um, because of, I was like、ah, Windows XP, man. And I know. as far as like the the montage, like it's a very well done montage. I kept picking up up when I was watching that,、yes. and I when I when I literally to the, down to the dead wife, like <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> At least, but this time they had a kid. So、yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> I did more research into Anish, who was the director of this film.、Mm-hmm. He worked at Google. Um, before、um, going on this on this、oh. film, and so he was a part of all those Google commercials that you see of people like searching stuff online. So that's、yeah. where he learned how to do that, like how to、that's... emote through like the clickers and stuff like that. It's because he、that's、learned it from、amazing. Google. The whole time I was wondering because you know, like this is not the first of these kinds of films made before, but the others are done so poorly, or they just don't have the the rights. To use the actual thing, so they have to use like、yeah. a fake Google, a fake Bing. They use Bing, and, yeah, <laughs> or they use Bing, and it just ruins the reality of it because we're all humans that live in this place. Like we know we're gonna Google it. Like you're not on Bing, and so <laughs> it was really nice because everything from Google, from the Facebook, from the iPhone, like it was so on point. I bought the reality of it. 
And mm-hmm. that just, again, it just continued the illusion because I think movies like this are very interesting, have the potential to be very compelling, but they also have, they run the risk of breaking the suspension of disbelief so quickly because yeah. it's things we know. It's things we know every day. So it's like, well, if the iPhone doesn't match up, if the iCloud, if the iMessage isn't right, because we know exactly what these things look like, it's just like, oh, oh, right, this is a movie as opposed to being immersed in the story. So that's super awesome that he was able to learn all of that because I was wondering about it the whole time. I'm like, how'd you how'd you do this? It's so (laughs) accurate. So and another thing that I I saw that people probably didn't notice, but like when David's on his work computer, he's using Linux and the cross meshes thing that was able. So he was able to use his iPhone on his Linux computer thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a real thing. That's not a real app. And that's, people, yeah, people who don't use Linux, which is like most of the world, wouldn't know that. <laughs> oh, okay, that's cool. I was wondering because I didn't know if that was if that was real or not. But it looked it it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you: Did you like feel like any vibes towards like any other type of genre when you're watching this film? Uh, as opposed to what genre? Like, as, oppo- as opposed to, like, what you saw this as. Oh. um, As opposed to, like, the thriller, did you, like, feel like any other type of genre? I mean, I think, I think on one part it became, you know, it became investigation, which can go hand in hand on, tr- on thriller. But mm-hmm. I think on top of that suspense, like a suspense thriller more so, uh, towards the towards the middle into the third act when we start thinking that the case is closed Mm -hmm. and also the tensions of um john cho's character and you can just see that like continuous like cogs are turning and this man is on edge and it led for a lot of heated tension and suspense in a lot of scenes and then towards the end it almost becomes a whodunit yeah like that was that was the one thing that um and we'll probably chat about it um later but that was the one thing that kind of stuck with me is towards the end it became almost like a whodunit because it had a whodunit-esque finally wrap up of the whole case (laughs) and i was like okay i wasn't expecting this but okay i'll i'm with it because they've done such a good setup throughout the whole thing so i was like you know what i'm i'm good with this yeah, I will say for me, it gets to a part where the missing person case becomes public and uh, mm-hmm. all, everyone is talking about it. And when it came up to that part, it felt like I was listening to a true crime podcast. Yes. Uh, something like Serial. Yes. Cereal. Agreed. And yes. So that's what it felt like to me. And especially with um, with recent stories happening of like, like of Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt's divorce, like mm-hmm. and like the accusations going on. And everyone has like their own side to the story, even though they weren't involved with mm-hmm. what happened with it with that family. Um, they nailed that. Oh, meet like they nailed it. It was perfection the way they Absolutely. nailed it. Like, Absolutely, I w- When I tell you, I was fuck. I was fucking fuming. I was literally <laughs> like the bullshit. Like it's so much fucking bullshit. Like I love, and that was one of the things that interested me about the story, about this movie to begin with, is I remember watching like a a review of some YouTuber reviewing this movie and they're like, they're talking about, because it takes place through social media apps, it makes a commentary about that when, Mm -hmm. when a serious case that, you know, this is a girl, this is a human being. And you see in the beginning how no one gave a shit 
about Margot. And Mm. then now because her name has become a title and a hashtag, now so many people are invested in making up lies. Like, oh, she was my best friend. Like, oh, oh my God, fucking fuming. That that one fucking fuming. Oh my gosh. I was like, you liar. Liar. Like, like you saw how she was in the beginning. Yes. She, like, she didn't even care that she was she missing. She did not She's, care. Did not and care. She, could, could not give a hoot. A literal, literal hoot. Speaking of hoot, do are we are we swearing? Are we not allowed to swear? I just need to. Just I don't swear. care. At okay, this point. <laughs> all right. Because you said hoot, so I'm like, okay, is it euphemisms only? All right. Either way, either way, like the level of fucks that any of them gave <laughs> flew away into the internet. During the entire when the beginning when um his character's name is David right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I just I literally just saw the film a couple of hours ago so I'm really <laughs> still fuming on it but the entire investigation finding her friends also I love how they chose to do that mm-hmm. like from the charts from every like it was great and yeah, I his remember own investigation he he's like I will own, find her <laughs> literally and I love it and it was great but I love the fact that. I like that the story follows some dead ends. Mm. Follow, um, continuing on that with the like the bullshit of people taking on the social media um, aspect and trying to publicize and get clout from it, which is really, it's really twisted. But we all know we've seen that. Like mm-hmm. we've seen that. In, like it's the very thing you were talking about, where like these celebrities have these cases and things like parasocial relationships, and all of a sudden people are putting in their two cents. So you have nothing to do with anything. Honestly. I, and and I, like, mm? oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I just remembered I really liked the one where they followed the dead end of that one guy, Derek Ellis or something, who was oh. always posting. And then finally he was like, where were you? And then it just cuts to the chart and it just goes, Bieber concert. I Confirmed. It. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. I'm like, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh that was a hilarious one and the part that that really got me was like there's like a newscast of like reporting in the neighborhood and there's like a woman like probably like a mom in the neighborhood she's like I, it's probably not my business but like usually these things start at the home when they suspected that she was like doing like dealing yes. drugs or whatever yes. and i'm like it's not your business so it's, so why are you commenting on that literally it's and be like that, that happens every day though it does. it's even it's- much more common nowadays like I'll be honest, I kind of do this myself, you know, I, mm-hmm. I would like quote see people like, okay, but what, where were you on this day? <laughs> I'll be like, as a joke, as a joke. Yeah. Some people are like very serious, like um, accusatory of like these things because they suspect that they did something, even though they have no basis and they're not, not connected to it at all, you know? Yeah. And, so, what's, yeah. and also what stinks with that is, um, I like that you mentioned that because, and I've seen it with um, recent news, is that because of social media, one person who is completely dis, um, detached from the story has no involvement whatsoever. One person's speculation can become an entire community's fact mm, without right. evidence. And then that can lead to very, very real bullying, persecution, accusations, like it can lead to so much when one person just put in their two cents and now a real human's life. Like it makes me think of when people were thinking David killed his daughter. It's like, they have no basis. There is no reason behind why they should think that he did that. And now David is getting 
these kinds of attacks. And it's a very, very real thing that people yeah. do now because it's so much easier for people to say what they and whatever thought comes to their mind because social media opens the way for that opens yeah. the door for that yeah it's why most people like block the comments on the youtube youtube videos i know i do oh really uh, <laughs> you block comments on specific videos oh okay on specific videos because like it gets to a point where like people are saying the same thing over and over again and i oh. just don't i don't want to i said like i don't have the energy to like reply to them i just don't want to engage mm -hmm. at all uh so i just like block the comments so like i don't see it anymore i gotcha um, but I was writing in my notes as like that whole sequence is going on. I said, fucking hate the voyeurism of true crime. And this is a topic that's, I'm very, how do I say this? I don't like how true crime has become a genre. Oh, um, okay. Mm -hmm. It's a very popular genre, but I yes, don't like it how it's become entertainment at this point. Yes. Because there are actual victims. Exactly. And People, they used to do this thing where, like, they'll protect the identities of the victim by changing the names yeah. and, like, the, changing the names to protect, like, the family and, like, also, like, the families of the victims, basically. But yeah. they don't do that anymore because they social don't. media, they just, like, they want the clout, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, like, during the, as of this recording, Jeffrey Dahmer, the Jeffrey Dahmer series on Netflix, yep. like, has recently come out. And there's been, like, a huge controversy over that because mm -hmm. the director did not, how do I say this? Dramatize the deaths. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like he showed exactly how it happened. He did not care to like dramatize it at all. He just showed exactly how it happened. Oh. Um, and I have not so seen the Dharma series. It just re-traumatized the families of the victims, oh. you know. And there's like a court case. There's like the court scene where like this one sister of one of the men that Dharma killed, she like hey, uh, reacts like heavily to him. And it was recorded for TV, right? Yeah, and then she, there's an actress who records the exact same mannerisms, exact same speech oh. as she did, and I'm just like, this woman, her brother yeah. died, and you're using it for entertainment now. You're exploiting the victims. You're exploiting the yeah. You're exploiting you, the families as well. Families and not even notifying them. They, they're not getting paid. Why would they want to get yeah. paid for their their child's or their family's deaths at, yeah. at the hands of this serial killer? So that's what I mean by like I hate the voyeurism true crime because it's just become entertainment at this point. Yeah, and, no, I totally I totally yeah. understand um that that um line of thinking and um that viewpoint because it's true. Like as someone who I enjoy the history of true crime, but when it comes to entertainment, you know, there is that fine line because there's the glorification aspect too that Hollywood yes. likes to sensationalize, and it's like that does a disservice greatly to the families when you take like with the Dharma series you take a story of people whose lives are still affected by this and mm -hmm. you're putting it back out there and you know it's it, it, it's true it's it's quite voyeuristic and it's very difficult it, it, it's a very difficult thing to look at because there is so many people that love true crime and then there's also a very odd peculiar side to it where it's like almost a almost like an entertainment of of um the sadism the sadism where yeah. they're like oh no show me this or i want to see like this kind of thing happen to people and all this like tell me someone who did that and it's like that's that's a whole different level of that's a whole other conversation when people compare these like serial killers and their specific killings and all of that within true crime it's just yeah yeah 
But yeah, that's how I felt about that scene. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask you, what what theories did you have throughout the movie? Like, what happened to her and who was, like, hurting her? What, what was your theories, like, as you were watching the movie? I had a couple of my I, own. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm excited to hear some of yours because I think just throughout the whole movie, I just didn't want to believe she was dead. And I yeah. think that's just my immediate connection to David. Like, I think like him as an audience member, I was just like, I don't want to believe that she's dead. And because of the way that the film kept alluding, like kept the way that the film kept foreshadowing everything, I feel like the f- actual like crafted storytelling behind the film also cemented that fact that it's like, she's not dead. Because there were a couple of times where you hear that she's dead, or you hear the idea that she might be dead. And I kind of like paused and I saw that I still had 30 minutes left. I'm like, no, no, she's not. I have 30 (laughs) minutes left. And then like 10 minutes left, they say she's dead. I'm like, nope, I have 10 minutes left. I'm like, something's (laughs) happening. And in the literal last like five minutes, I'm like, I fucking told you, I knew it. I knew it. Um, But I think, I think, The biggest one that I bought, like the line of thread that they threw at us that I did bite onto was the was the brother. Like when when they had Peter on, I was kind of like, whoa, wait. But then the more like before he admitted that it was weed, I put together in my brain. I was like, no, he was is like he had pot in the first scene. Like he was probably just like getting her high because she was going through a lot of shit like that's what i thought and again because i was i was looking he at had how a much big time. jar he, he, had, he big had a jar. gigantic jar of pot so i was like <laughs> he's not smelling that all on his own or maybe he is but i don't know but i think other than that i didn't see i didn't see the detective like until the end like it makes sense and they did mm. that kind of who done it type of thing but I did definitely have a theory that when the convict like confessed, I did think that was bullshit. Like that yeah, one, I, I was like, no, that's fucking, that's some fucking bullshit. Like you right. were not about to tell me in this movie, the moment after we get a scene where someone talks about, oh, let's accept the fact that it could have been a stranger that just happened. It was unlucky place. You are not about to tell me that we get that scene. And then the movie says, oh yeah, a stranger did it. I'm like, no, no, nah. I'm not buying it. <laughs> the storytelling editing is too smart for this. But those yeah. are mine. What were yours? All right. So this is going to sound crazy, but okay. First about that stranger guy. Uh-huh. The moment he came on the screen, I'm like, he did not do it. That was not. Yeah. He, lo- he looks too much of a stranger danger to have actually done it. Okay. Oh, and really? the lighting like, was perfect. Just, yeah. He was an HD. Okay. <laughs> High depth, like at least 4K. And with the shadow and the lighting, like, no, no, no. This guy looks too much of a creep to not be the creep. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, um, I did think the brother did it a little bit because that's like the hints they gave us to it. But then I was like, like you said, like the weed thing. But here's the thing. I kind of knew it was the crush because, listen, when he first opened, when David first opens Pam's address book on her Mm -hmm. computer... The first, the very first contact had Robbie Robbie in there because his last name is like an A. Okay. And it's, it said in the notes, like, in her class, has always had a crush on her. I'm like, mm, oh. mm. I caught that, that the is, first time I saw that. The yeah, first I'm, time. I'm proud of you. That is some very keen investigative 
and I, I didn't even pause it either. I just saw it in the notes, like, hey, okay. quick, I didn't even pause what it. Like, listen, because I'm listening to you, Clarice. Um, uh, you, you said, like, you paused it, so you had 10 minutes left. No, I did not cheat, Clarice. I okay. have, t- I have okay. too much respect for the game to not God cheat. Dang. Okay. okay. Coming for like, me with my little... Because when it, when it felt like it was over, I'm like, no, it's not over. She's not dead. I also mm-hmm. had that same line of thinking, like, no, nah, she's not dead. Yeah. Because in the beginning... I they respect also show- it. I respect it. <laughs> they showed the news article... Mm-hmm. Uh, it said Trapper trapped in the Everglades for nine days survived, and so and that was the big one. Did and, you and catch that shit on the first watch? The first watch, and when it rained, what? I'm like, when what? it rained on the second day of the searching, it did. yeah, the second uh, second day for searching, I'm like, that's water right there. Mm-hmm. So like, if she was thirsty, um, she has water right there. I didn't know how many days it had been, but yeah. I knew that specific specific days she would need water, and yeah. But like when I, as soon as I saw the detective, like how's it the detective? Like oh, it's because it's her son, uh-huh. and then it made more sense. Oh. But I always thought it was the crush. Like the first moment I saw that, I'm like, wow, because yeah. the, mm-hmm. the cat, the catfishing man, it, it's real. <laughs> no, it's true. That's what I was gonna say. Is I will say the moment that she said like yes, even fish and chips. Like when she was like yes, we called her. Yes, it was fine something felt fishy about right. that. Like there was just something in the air and maybe it's a credit to Deborah Messing's acting mm-hmm. where there was something about just the way that the detective said it, who was like, yes, we looked at all of these. Yes, I know who you're thinking was the person. No, they didn't line up. And I was like, but how don't they line up though? Exactly. That like, was my thought is I'm like, but I can smell a catfish. Like, this you is know what's like- crazy? You know what's crazy? Uh, the school mascot at Margot's high school, guess what it is? A catfish. That that's on purpose. <laughs> like they absolutely did that, and I love that attention to detail about this movie. I think it's part of what makes it incredibly effective and smart at what it's trying to do. Is that level of attention to detail? I love the fact that you noticed something on your first watch that probably I would need to watch a couple of times. But you mm-hmm. can tell that they're feeding in these little lines of threads, and like a good effective story, some of those lines lead to dead ends. But then some of them, if you follow them through, connect the entire way, and it's great. Yeah, and another thing that I was thinking because it was a little suspect, but I didn't suspect the, the detective. I, I mm-hmm. just thought she was like kind of bad at her job. Is like the photos on. Um, what's her name? The daughter's um Tumblr. Margo. Uh-huh. Margo. Yep. Oh, on Tumblr. her Tumblr. It, you you see like the lake, right? Oh and I, yeah. And I'm just thinking like, just get the metadata for that. Get the yeah, metadata. Literally, get the metadata. That's what I thought of too. Like when the dad, when right? the dad put it together, I'm like, how did the cops not? How do you not? It's so obvious. Like that's the mm. same lake. I didn't the understand same, the same that. thing with the UCAS thing. Where mm-hmm. they said they looked at every single uh, thing. Like, I'm like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you, you got literally, lazy. Uh-huh. But the thing is, sorry, I'm like finishing a cough drop. <laughs> the thing with that is, though, just to, again, give more credit to the writing and mm-hmm. the direction is that none of that makes sense or that could be seen as a plot hole without the final reveal. But mm-hmm. the final reveal gives that merit because it's like, while well, we're thinking, well, why aren't the cops looking at it? We're like, oh, because they don't want to, because it's incriminating. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that makes sense. It's just smart storytelling. Stupid choices, but they have a reason. Why right, right. So this is going to sound a little, 
don't know, maybe it might sound controversial, but if you've listened to my podcast before, you know my, my feelings on this. Mm-hmm. The moment, the only moment I didn't suspend my disbelief um, mm-hmm. was when the detective, uh, Vic, got convicted. Like, she was arrested, and she went to jail. Because I'm just thinking, like, when is the last time a white female cop like, oh. was held was held responsible for her actions. Mm. Like, when's the last time? <laughs> like, wasn't there, like, this one woman, like, this L.A. cop, she killed a mm-hmm. man because she was threatened because he was holding a box cutter, and she shot him, like, nine times, and she never yep. got convicted, and yep. then she became, like, an influencer in the gun community. But, yeah, there's just so many stories oh, of how absolutely. police don't, don't hold accountability for no, themselves. And I, yeah, absolutely. And I do think that that was one of the parts where it's like towards the end and kind of going back on this, like who done it, where, um, like speaking on that, I did, um, I did think where I'm like, well, if she did it, I'm like, is the rest of the police department mm-hmm. going to come for her? And then when they did, I'm like, okay, so we're living in this kind of world where <laughs> this is, this will happen and a conviction will happen because it's true. I'm like, I, I'm like, well, the defense law, like the fact that she's all like, Oh, I was doing this in for my son and all this, like if they really wanted to, they could absolutely sweep it under the rug. And I feel like that would be a very different kind of story. But I do think um, because uh, I feel like the conviction pays to an aspect of them finding Margot because had she not been, then um david wouldn't have thought about it thought about the two days and then they actually find her um but yeah no i definitely i definitely get what you mean i wasn't thinking that in the in the moment uh because i think again (laughs) i was sold in the in the suspension of the film but yeah 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 you know (laughs) i always think about that stuff and i didn't notice this until after i finished college being college um well university I made three short films and they were mm-hmm. all making fun of cops. I didn't oh. realize that until like after I graduated. I'm like, huh, I guess I have a thing for that. <laughs> I, I, oh, didn't just don't, maybe. I just don't like cops. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Seems that way. I will say, and that was part of it is I, I, I do I have to give some credit into uh, give credit to Deborah Messing. Cause I oh, think yeah. she's balancing a lot of different things. Cause you can tell the genuine concern that she does have, but on the flip side, she's also giving him the runaround. Like the entire movie, she's giving him the runaround. And just as the actress, you know, she has to be constantly aware of what her hand is and keeping that close to her chest while revealing some things, but not too much. And I think she does a really good job at it. She did a very good job as the anti Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, I really liked in the end where, well, there are some talks during production where John Cho asked um, Anish, the director, are we going to have like the final scene as like a regular film or are we just going to continue doing what we've been doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anish said there's like, there's validity to what he's saying about like shooting it regular style, but we'll just keep it as we've been doing. And so that ending, they did a very good job where it's, you don't see John Cho or mm-hmm. um, Michelle La. Uh, you don't see them at all. It's just yeah. like, just a screen of Margot on her computer yeah waiting waiting for the results of from her college and yeah just him finally saying like 
Well, I'm proud of you and your and mom would be and proud of you too. I'm proud of you too. I literally like as you see the little like the little the screen, blanket. I was like, mom would be too. Mom would be too. And then he did it. I was like, yeah. Yeah. And then he was so happy. Like, pay it off. You set it up and you paid it off. And I think it was, I, I think it was a really nice, like that's the best way they could have ended this movie because at this point your audience has been so invested in the way you're telling the story that I feel like. I genuinely think it would have been jarring to just have it um, in real life with like a 4K resolution, um, like high definition camera. And like, you're seeing them. Like, I feel like it would have, honestly, for me, I think it could, it would have broken the reality. That yeah. And I like that. I like that all we saw was those little responses. Like there's so much more meaning. I feel like going back to everything everywhere, when you can have a scene that makes people laugh and cry, that's completely silent about two rocks, ah. text on the screen, and it can move you to tears. I feel like in this one, you can have a literal screen grab of a text exchange and that can move you to tears if the story is effective. And I like that more movies are exploring that in these last recent years. Like this movie came out in 2018. I love that this is a medium that storytellers are exploring because the ones that do it well, like my gosh, it gets you, man. <laughs> yeah. So is there anything else you want to talk about before I talk about the production? Oh, something I'm interested in in seeing how you feel about it. But how did you feel about the reveal, like with the detective and this very whodunit, like oh. we fought you monologue that explains everything she did? Okay. In detail, so, like how did you feel about that part of? The okay, movie? so I did like the movie. Um, I gave it like a three and a half out of five stars on Letterboxd. I think it did a good job, but for like the reveal. So here's the thing. I'm a huge mystery fan. Like I, I grew up watching this stuff. Like as a oh, kid, okay. I, I discussed this in my last episode with Ryan, uh, aka Rival Reacts, because mm -hmm. we watched Knives Out. Um, nice. And, and I said this then too. Uh, it's nothing I haven't seen before, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and also, it felt like a a cop out. <laughs> yeah, like slightly. Yeah. I'm like, really, like. Yes. Okay, it felt like stretching it just like a little bit too much. And that's how I felt about it. Like, it just felt like stretching just a little bit too much of the imagination. And that's what I felt like about it. That, that's as much as I can say. Uh, Deborah Messing did a very wonderful, like you said, she did a wonderful job in this film. And she is like one of the, I don't want to say one of the only ones, but one of the actors that was very much for this film. Like she knew about the concept. So she was very much for this film. Oh, and so nice. she was excited um, when she was doing this. And you could see it in her work in this film. She did a very good job. Um, but as far as like the story and the reveal. Eh. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah, no, I fully get that. That's kind of what, like, that's the only thing that's left with me in this film that I'm like, had that been written better, I feel like this would have been like a even higher tier film right. for me. Because that's that's the only thing where it's like my suspension disbelief was almost cut where I'm like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. Because I understand that, yes, maybe there were aspects and seeds that they sowed for her doing it. And it makes sense. It's more of just the very classic like monologue of like, yes, and now I'm going to tell you how I did it. And it <laughs> honestly feels almost like she 
she becomes a whole different character for this right. one scene. And I'm like, but she wasn't, I'm like, but she's not a psychotic murderer. Like this right. is, this is a woman who, okay, if she did it, she did it to protect her son, but why is she saying this like mother dearest, like uh, right. Norman Bates mom type, like my son is a, like, uh, like it just, it didn't make sense to what was set up. And that bothered me because I'm like, Ah, like, I don't, know. like I don't know if Other she cared so than... much about her son she could have just like gone in place for him but like I was I wanted to talk to her because I knew he was catfishing her and I accidentally pushed her off the cliff but I guess she also didn't want to go to jail <laughs> yeah but but the thing is but the thing is she did like it says that that's what she she wanted to take all of the blame so that her son mm -hmm. wouldn't go to jail so maybe she hammed it up. If she hammed it up, then that's technically kind of layered. But mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's still just very like, why are you going like mother dearest on us right, in like the right. very last act when this wasn't like, it wasn't you know, present the, in the film. It wasn't at all. present. It wasn't present in the film. Like I mean, thought... I will say there was one scene. Actually, there's two things. Cause mm -hmm. in the Facebook profile that David sees, um, in the yes. banner it says yes. a mother's love mother, for a child is not like anything child. else. I caught that too, and, and I was kind of like the profile picture is her and her son. So there's mm -hmm. there's that they gave that hint, and the mm -hmm. second thing is like when she told the story of her son oh, robbing her son. people exactly. for the nonprofit, mm -hmm. and she protected him and saying like, yeah. "Oh no, I, I made it up. I, I that's something I just absolutely." Invented. And those two scenes are perfect because they're meant to set that up. Like one is more subtle, and the other is more direct. I think it's just the for the way me, it went out. It, it's just the way it played out that doesn't because yeah. I'm like if you fed me the same story and just the performance and the dialogue like the actual script was different I would buy it more like I think mm -hmm. just for that scene it was it was specifically the execution where it just right. became like oh she is crazy like it felt very like oh she's kind of crazy <laughs> and I was like but she was so well-rounded for the rest of the movie. Why did exactly. you have to do that to her? Like, that's that's my thinking. So I'm like, why did yeah, you, you have to do that to this could. character? It, it was just like the way, the, the turn face heel, you know? Mm -hmm. um, that That's what I felt about it. This is the segment where we talk about the production of this film. So I want to talk about the conception and the pitch for this movie. Gotcha. So do you mind if I pop in another cough drop? I'm beginning to lose my voice. Is that okay? You could have done it and not interrupt me. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Keep that in the podcast, please. <laughs> I, I would have just muted you and, and post because I know how to do that. Okay. Well, I was just asking just in case. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay. <laughs> I was like, uh, See that? See that's the character execution. Like Jason wasn't like this before. Why is he like this there now? You go. Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> So, the original conception for this movie was for an eight-minute short film. Uh, Anish Chaganti, he was going to be the director, and Sev Ohanian was like the co-writer and producer for this film. They pitched the concept to the Bazilev's company, and the company liked it so much, they suggested that it could be expanded into a feature film, and they are going to give him a lot more money. And Sev was like all for it. He was um mm -hmm. he was like open to the offer and saw his potential. But Chiganti, the director, he was hesitant. He's like, uh, I'm not so sure. And mm -hmm. Sev is like, dude, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> <laughs> They're giving you a lot more money and you're a first time director. Take the offer. But the reason why he didn't want to do it is because um 
he didn't want it to feel too gimmicky. Like uh-huh. he, he just didn't know how his game would stretch it into exactly like a ninety-minute film. That's the same thing I would think, especially with it's such a constant. And I don't mean to um, go yeah. too long on it, but it's just as someone who has worked on short films, I've seen the way that a contained vision for a short film is on purpose. And when you take it and try to expand it into a feature length film, a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, but oftentimes, there's just isn't the room to create the same kind of cohesive, tight story that the original creator intended for that short. Sometimes it can be amazing, I think, like this, where it Mm -hmm. went well, but it's true. And that's exactly where my mind would be as well if I was this director. Like, I would be a bit concerned because I'm like, well, I'm pitching you a short film and you're wanting me to make a feature. That's a very big ask. It's a huge task to to undertake, too. So, And I've definitely definitely seen a few feature films that would have been a lot better if they were just short films. Yeah. Like... Some of them even, probably were short films, honestly. I won't even talk about them because they were just that bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if um, just as a small tidbit, because um, I didn't, I did not watch the film uh, because I feel like the trailer basically gave it away. But there is a short film called Cargo, and it is mm. an amazing. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen it. It is an incredible short film. I want to say it's maybe like eight nine minutes. Literally, that film eight nine minutes. I'm crying like up, like. Up introduction for seven minutes, exactly, sobbing. It's amazing. And then Netflix purchased the, I don't know if they purchased the the rights or whatever. And then they made a 90-minute film about it. And I was like, why? Why? (laughs) Why did you have to? Like, the art that was made was beautiful. And it told the story it needed to. Why do we now have... 90 minutes of the same story we were already moved by like we didn't right. need and yeah but yeah that's what he was concerned about and then they mm-hmm. were later like thinking about it and Chiganti he had like an idea for the like the first seven minutes which is like the montage and then they got he got a call of Ohanian and he pitched the exact same idea and then <laughs> they're like oh we have something here and so they actually moved forward with the feature okay and John Cho, the lead of the film, he turned down the role of David Kim the first time because mm-hmm. he didn't feel like it was going to be possible. And it wasn't like towards like mm. Giganti. He just never seen something like that before and he wasn't sure how it was going to look like on screen. That makes but sense. He later, he later said he was impressed by how human it felt, the film. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, actress um, Deb- Deborah Messing, she loved the idea when she first read it and she was like all for it. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. As a Deborah Messing fan, I love that she was on board from the beginning. That's great. So a little bit about Anisha's background. He was 25 when this film was written. I always hate, I hate hearing that shit, man. I do too, because I'm currently (sighs) writing, like I'm in the middle of writing a short film that is very much takes from these aspects. And I am 25. (laughs) So (laughs) let's see where it goes. (laughs) I, I I've had this conversation before. This is exact same conversation <laughs> with, mm-hmm. uh, in season two with my friend Zach Yell. We were talking about Susan Kane, uh, and I'm like, bro, oh yeah, Orson this was, Welles. That was his first film. His first movie. He directed. Is, he wrote in it. He starred, he starred in, it in it at 25, and it's considered one of the best films of all time. Of all time. And what was I doing at 25? I was literally. In a <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a <Basically>. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Hey, 
great, but that is something and that's more than most. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. But yeah, he was 25 when this film was written. Um, but he worked at Google before this role. He said um, mm-hmm. he believed that Google is what prepared him for this role. It's where oh, he yeah. said he learned to emote using computer screens. And he learned to see what love looks like with a cursor button. And how you can wow. feel you, how you can feel how never someone looks even though you're looking at a blinking cursor. You can tell that he is a writer. Literally mm-hmm. from that quote. I'm like, so so you write. <laughs> because that is beautiful. <laughs> like that is so just literally literarily. Like it's said so profoundly. It's like do you write it's like yeah of course you do (laughs) so that quote made me think of but that makes so much sense when you look at older google ads you know they they really do have to create this connection to you with images that because how do you make two-dimensional code space emotive and emotional you know and absolutely it makes sense why he was able to do this so well that's awesome (laughs) That's honestly awesome. And like you said before, um, this isn't the first type of its film. I I remember years ago, maybe 2014, there was a horror movie. Unfriended? Yes, that's the one. Yes. (laughs) I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. That's the one I think of. I like the idea behind it Mm -hmm. that they tried something unique. And I guess that's what drew me to searching as well because I'm always looking towards like original stories Mm -hmm. um, and also unique, um, unique ways of filmmaking. And speaking of unique ways... So, and for pre-production, they hired editors and started editing seven weeks before shooting, right? So, they went to the edit room. They started completely blank and on a premiere timeline. And they just started screen capturing the internet. And oh. they started shooting iMessages at each other. That's my dog. I think my parents got home. Hold on. Give me one second. Mm-hmm. All right. You were talking about pre-production. Yeah, so they were shooting iMessages at each other, mm-hmm. and he took photos of a niche. And seven weeks later, seven weeks later, there was a one hour and forty five minute cut of the entire film starring a niche in every single role of the oh film. Oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> and in a very low quality film. Um, and by the time they oh were ready god. to start shooting the movie, they had a cut to show the crew, uh, uh-huh. and so they could. So they can know exactly what they're going to oh, make. And then oh, that gave amazing. him the idea like, oh, this is what we're shooting. Okay. That's amazing. That's so that's so good. That's yeah. literally so freaking smart. <laughs> that is so smart. Like, it makes me think of how, like, it's so unique when, when artists just collaborating together can be that smart about their pre-production. Right. Whereas with, because it makes me think of Severance. You'll know once you see it. I do <laughs> highly recommend it. It's amazing. It's incredible. But it's the fact that when they were making Severance, multiple of the actors had no idea like what the tone of this thing was. Like one actor thought they were in a completely different type of genre. And then the other thought they were in a completely different type of genre. And then when they were filming scenes, they're like, yeah, like what's, what's the tone? Like, what's the tone of what we're going for? And they're like, well, no, we just dress in the direction. We're going to do something. going to have some stuff. Wow. And it ended up paying off and being incredible. But it's the kind where when you can like be that smart early on and give your crew and your creatives an idea of like, okay, this is what we're going for. That's just so much more effective. And I think it shows in the movie. For sure. For sure. And Ohani and the producer of the film, 
He said he doesn't think this movie would have been possible with anyone but someone like Anish because mm. he was making the film for the first time and they broke so many rules. Mm. And it helped, it helped. It just helped with the fact that Anish didn't even know the rules to begin with. Yes, that's awesome. I love that. Do they mention any about what kind of rules they were breaking? I don't think. No, they don't mention it because it was part like the special feature on the DVD. I think one oh, of those okay. rules is to not have the antagonist do a complete turn face heel. <laughs> Wait, what? What do they mean like, by that? Sorry, that's my own interpretation. Like, oh, okay. Don't, don't don't make her become like a completely different character when oh, she reveals I got you. Mm-hmm. everything. I guess that's one of my mm-hmm. rules. You know that. That's my interpretation of what they meant by that. Mm-hmm. And as far as like the devices they shot on, they they shot on the various devices. They shot on GoPros, um, drones, news helicopters, mini DV cameras, webcams, and even nice. the, uh, Chiganti's iPhone. So like the iPhone that they're using for <gasps> the movie, that's his iPhone. That's the director's I iPhone. I love it. That's so good. Like I love that level of creativity because it's like, the thing is, I, I like the comment they mentioned about the rules because it makes me think of big budget directors attempts at this, right. where it makes me think of a Unsane by, I can't remember if it was Soderbergh. That I think it's it. Soderbergh. It's Soderbergh. I'm I pretty so. sure. Yeah, exactly. It's Soderbergh. And then it also makes me think of Fincher. And how Fincher did this film. I, I am thinking about it because I saw a wonderful YouTube analysis video about it um, where Fincher did his film Mank. That is basically speaking of Citizen Kane. Have you seen it? I've heard of it. I, I wanted to see it. Yeah. But I just never got Essentially, to see it. I, I didn't get around to seeing it either, but it was a whole video about how Fincher exclusively films on digital. And he's such a, because he's such a meticulous director, he, um, basically renders or cgs or visual effect adds anything extra but he still remains filming on digital and mank is meant to be a film by his own words that if you stumbled upon a cinephile library and you saw citizen kane you might find mank right next to it and it's the history of creating citizen kane Mm. but the thing is when you look at the film even just watching like the snippets that i saw in this uh video essay i'm like this looks like a film that was made in in 2020 like or 2019 whatever was made i'm like this the shots the lighting like everything about it you could cg on all the grain and the film and all this to make it look like it was filmed in the 40s but it doesn't look like it unless you actually get the technology (laughs) you get the actual cameras with the specific lenses to get it to look the way it did back then you're not going to be able to replicate that and i like that in this movie you can tell there are certain shots that they filmed on slightly higher quality yeah. cameras, but they really go for it in the grain with filming from actual webcams and iPhones. Like you can tell, and it adds to the realism. It just another thing so I saw beautiful. was like the photos. Like some of the photos looked like they were used by cameras at that time. There's one specific photo I'm thinking of where it's um, Pam, the mother, with mm-hmm. um, Margot when she's a little girl. And it looks exactly like a a picture where you have like a disposable camera and the yes. flash. It looked exactly like yes. that. I'm like, you yes. guys paid a lot of detail yes. to that. Unless it's like an actual photo. Unless it's an actual photo used uh, for the film, which is because, you know, they use some photos from mm-hmm. the actresses, like actual photos. But other than that, that was like 
you guys paid attention to that. Like Absolutely. that was really good. Absolutely. I love the, uh, like, and those are the things is I love when artists, cause it's not about being completely historically accurate. I think, I think trying to be historically accurate kind of does a disservice to story because you always have to have some level of creative liberty, but I love when artists and the team take that extra step to just try to be as accurate as they can be because it makes a world of a difference. Like it just makes a world of a difference. Like the fact that, you know, we're looking at entirely real programs. We're looking at Windows XP. We're looking at Google and we're looking at the actual software of how it all looks. It's just like, it's that extra. And I'm like, ah, I love, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for doing this. And another thing I wanted to mention, because this is before the pandemic happened and everyone had like a ring light for like the scenes where they're using, when they're using a laptop. So for like, you know, the UCast and... Um, John Cho's scenes where he's using a laptop. They had lights um, on the perimeter of the laptop, so it looked like a ring light. But like the lights were on the edges of the oh. of the the, of the computer. I'm just yeah. thinking like, oh, okay, that's a square light right there. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. And the <laughs> thing I liked about that is because they use like diffusers on the lights, so. It, they wouldn't be able to have like the outline on the eyes. That's yeah. that's oh, something that's I noticed. Great. That's something that's I noticed. Great. Okay. Because if you see like people like filming with a ring light, you can see the ring light on oh, their absolutely. eyes. Yeah. Like I'm not sure you can see it with my actually you can see it with the reflection of my glasses, but it's not mm-hmm. on my eyes. Yeah, right? yeah. Because I'm exactly. using the fuser. I'm using mm-hmm. the fuser for this. Yeah, that's I know what, what I'm doing somewhat. Yeah, look at you. <laughs> that's what I've got going on all here. But you wouldn't be able to see too many of them unless you look like really clear yeah. into the eyes. Now I'm looking at the camera to see if you can tell. No, I didn't even you, yeah. I didn't even notice until you said it. Yeah, but you'll probably see it more in the HD. But what's nice is, you know, like lighting serves a purpose. You want that light reflection in the eyes so you get more um, expression. Yeah, and sorry for us because like we have like um, dark eyes. And so people think yeah. we're, we're it's demons. Very, yeah, it's very important. It's the, it's the brown sorry, eyes Sorry, I said demons. <laughs> he knows. Wait, where was I? Oh, the dark guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You know, we need that extra lighting. Yeah. Yeah. We need it or else we look like demons. That's what people say about yeah. us, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will say that another thing I found unique about this production is that the scenes between David Kim and Rosemary Vick, where they're, you know, talking to each other via Skype or whatever they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all, it's all shot in the same house. It's all in the same house because it's hard for them to emote with each other because they're looking at a computer screen. Yeah, of course. And so they had Cho on one side of the house and messing at the other side of the house. They just made it look like they're in completely different houses. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, my God. I love that. (laughs) I actually really love that. Just because, again, it's funny. I I genuinely didn't think of this at all, but I'm just noticing a lot of parallels with the Zoom film that I did. Um, because that is something that we ran into constantly is, you know, when you're doing, and this film, I can't say too much on it, but it is a bit of a investigation cop type story too. Mm -hmm. The thing is, as much as you want to emote when you're looking at a camera, like, (laughs) and because the thing is, it's, I find that it is different than the classic form of, of, uh, filmmaking because, 
when you're filming for a movie, you don't want to look at the camera unless you are intentionally breaking the fourth wall. But in movies like this medium where you're talking to someone, eye lines are so important. And mm. in order to feed it, you have to feed that eye line, which is looking into a camera. But for you, it's looking at a person. But you can't have in a in a Zoom movie, you can't have the reality, which is if I'm talking to you, Jason, my eye line is looking at you here. I'm not looking there. I'm looking here. And so it doesn't sell the same story. So I love the idea that they worked around that by having them back to back. That's just so, it's so smart. It's honestly yeah. so smart. The film that we did, we weren't able to because all of us lived in different states. Yeah. So we were all in completely different parts of the country, which is also the beauty of more films that are going on these mediums through Zoom and, and Skype and all these other ones where you can have actors who are, you don't have to be in the same place to make a movie, which is really cool. Definitely. Oh yeah, Michelle La, um, Margot, the mm -hmm. woman who played Margot, mm -hmm. she described the filming process as like a logistical nightmare. <laughs> oh God. Because like, you're using so many different devices and you're filming at like at a house and also on location. Uh -huh. And for them, it was easy because they were just giving the device, but like even with the phones, they had like wires attached to it for like uh -huh. a microphone and for lighting oh, it's just yeah. it took so long to film it too <laughs> oh that's interesting oh i wouldn't yeah. have even thought of that wow yeah and then cho said to anish like halfway through like why are we making this so hard on ourselves let's just shoot it regular style <laughs> literally <laughs> like why are we making this so hard on ourselves they just made it extra hard oh my god <laughs> so yeah and the house they shot it was like pretty big okay. um and like i said it's like one side and the other side and something they say in the, in the commentary, I didn't watch the full commentary. I watched the first 20 minutes of the commentary, but basically they said, um, <laughs> they didn't know until after they finished shooting it, that the house was used for like other adult films. <laughs> so that's, that's a hilarious. <laughs> so people are going to probably think, oh, wait, like, I know that place. Yeah. Oh, they're like, wait, I've seen know, this uh, place before. Somewhere else. I, 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 I can't say. I can't say what it is, but I know it. <laughs> I know it when I see it. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. That that's great. Also, the thing with like the wide angle lens. So like with webcams, they're very wide angle. So it's like yeah. so like a regular person who doesn't know anything about cameras can still use it. Just get on a webcam mm -hmm. and just able to use it. But the thing is, it's difficult for the they're it was difficult for them at first because like it's right on one place. They had to stay in frame. And when they moved yes. like side to side, it wasn't anything, but they found that they were able to treat it as like a theater stage. So like when you move mm -hmm. forward and you move backward, it just had like an effect. Yeah, so, like, it has when... an intention. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, absolutely. Of course, of course. No, it it's makes... <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, it's true. And I will give that to John Cho because that was stuff that I was thinking about again, because having um for me with my setup, I have my monitor, my camera monitor right here and mm -hmm. even with this podcast when you mentioned like try to not move so much from the mic i have in my peripheral i'm constantly watching myself to make sure i'm staying in frame and not moving because it's something that actors have to be mindful of but i like that liberty where again with like doing a zoom film you really this frame is all you have to mm -hmm. create and so with the the beauty of this kind of setup is you know if you change like your bot like so much about just like your body posture or even like a lean in like says so much about who you are as a person 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how John Cho did it because there's oftentimes you can tell when he starts getting more sporadic and more unhinged with some of the people and their bullshit. That, <laughs> like he gets, he gets, he allows himself to get off frame. Like he'll like his, his face will peep off frame like people do, but he relatively stays on frame for a lot of the movie. And I like that. Yeah. I like that too. And John Cho, um, he put a lot of trust in a niche because one, he's a yeah. first time director and yes. this is a very unique type of film that hasn't really been done to this type yeah. of effect before. And so, and also like a lot of the movie is going to be made after he shot his scenes. So that's true. Yeah. He had to just do his job and be like, mm-hmm. is that it? Are we good? And just leave and just put his trust in him. And <laughs> yeah, that's, John Cho, like he—he's a professional. You know, he's—he's oh, he's been doing this for decades. So, like, he—I—I I can see from his side why he was a little unsure of this and why he turned it down the first time. But I'm glad he was eventually able to commit to this bit, commit to this role. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing he said on the, the the special feature. He said another another difficult thing is that you can see your own reflection in the computer screen. Mm-hmm. I'm so handsome. It's extremely distracting to see my face. <laughs> you can only imagine what distraction that must be to see my face. And then they just cut to like the whole crew, not crew, the, the cast laughing because like they're also interviewed. They told him about that. And then Nish was also laughing because I was like, what? <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> More reasons to love John Cho, man. Like he's so awesome. And as far as like post-production, because we're not mm-hmm. done yet. Yeah. Um, Putting all the footage that they shot into like the timeline was the biggest technical challenge of the movie. Because they also had to come up with like the visual effects of coming up with the Facebook pages, the Twitter yeah. timelines, creating profiles of, for people that made them feel like they were actual people instead yeah. of like stock photo images. And that's a huge credit to them too. Because oh, that, absolutely, with like Derek with, Ellis, that felt like an yeah, actual profile. That felt like a person. That f- and and the thing is, it, a lot of it is in the small details, like the photos, the photos right. of these that's kids. Like those too. look like. A kid took a bad selfie right. and put like three filters on it. And the thing They're- is, I'm I'm thinking about it because I'm like, a lot of that technology isn't quite obsolete, but it's almost non-existent now. So mm-hmm. it goes to, they have to do research to learn like, okay, what were those programs? Can we reinstall those programs to edit an image to make it look like what yeah. it was this, this time ago? And that's insane. Like, yeah. That for me, it's definitely like looking at the old websites, how they looked like oh, before. Because abs- yes. uh, I'm not sure if you noticed this before, like on the eBay page, it, it said how to search. Like there's like a link on how to, like a hyperlink for how to search. That's uh-huh. how old that website is. Because <laughs> yes. like people didn't know how to search. Um, oh my gosh. So yeah, they added that extra detail. Wow. And like that's not existent now because we all know how to search by now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was just, just like 10 years ago, even even 10 years ago. Yeah, you know, no. You know how to use the internet. I was on the internet. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's true. A lot of people still didn't know. I mean, it's still like I. Th- I think it's far more rare now that you have people who don't know. But every now and then, it's always funny because I have like grandparents who will literally pay me just to set up their like iPhone settings for them, and I'm like, you don't have to. This is really simple. They're like, no, no. Here you go. Here's twenty bucks. Do it for me. <laughs> Like, I'm too ju- old to learn this. And I'm like, okay, I'll take I mean, the free money. You, they're just trying to give you gas money. I think they're concerned for your financial situation. Probably. That's honestly, <laughs> at like, that point, I, I had, 
I mean, I did have lost my apartment and was living with my parents. So yeah, I think she was probably just trying to help me. Okay. Cause like, they're like, uh, our granddaughter's an actress. Um, yeah. She might need this. Here you go. She <laughs> needs this more than I do. <laughs> and I'm retired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Anish, he equates it to the team. Like they started making an animated movie and then they shot it a live action movie and then they put the live action movie back into the animated movie and then kept refining the animated movie that's exactly how he I, said it i'm not i'm not yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, how he yeah. said it <laughs> no i i like i actually i really like that um explanation because i think that's i think that's a very effective way to have looked at it because i think from a from a particular lens this is a more animated yeah. visual movie than it is a live action experience for sure for sure and they also had like moments of doubt with each other and there are like highs and lows because this is a very different movie uh mm -hmm. but and he said it was like a group lifting each other up whenever they were down like if someone was down Aww. someone else helped them up and vice versa i've had oh, that before as well that. so let's talk about the box office um mm -hmm. oh wait do you, do you want to hear about the easter eggs or the box office first uh, let's talk about the box office and then talk about the okay. Easter eggs. Just so because, this, yeah, I was right. more, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry on. <laughs> so this was a financial and critical success, grossing really? over seventy-five million dollars worldwide against a eight hundred eighty thousand dollar budget. Oh, uh, receiving, I thought yeah, this right? may have been. I'm. Confused. I thought it was more. <laughs> I, no, I thought this may have flopped just because I didn't hear much about the movie, so it didn't seem like it was very successful money wise that's why i was interested in hearing the box office but it did good yay 75 times more that than makes the me happy. budget that makes me really happy that it did good i thought the budget would be at least like two million you know no that's surprising like less than a million that's uh, yeah received praise for his directing acting unique visual presentation and unpredictable storyline yeah it was a little predictable mm. uh at the independent spirit awards cho was nominated for best male lead oh yay he didn't win uh, yeah. <laughs> he should have won it's fine it's the independent film awards he probably was i don't know wait can you look up the category i want to know who was he was up against because i'm like he was probably uh, best male okay because it was in 2019 i'm like he was probably in a tough category because if i'm thinking of the time frame if it was 2019 i understand <laughs> 2019 was a very good year for movies ethan hawk he lost to ethan hawk for what First Reformed. That's a good movie. Okay. Okay. First Reformed. I haven't seen that movie, but it's okay. good. I've heard very good things about it. I saw the trailer for it. Okay. And Ethan Hawke is an amazing actor. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Now. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it would be an honor to lose to Ethan Hawke. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You can say you were in a category with Ethan Hawke. You know, it's like right? all the actresses who can say who lost, who were like, I was in a category with Meryl Streep. You know, it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's that same kind of weight. Um, I mean, there's some there's some things where like you should have gotten at least an award, like with Better oh. Call Saul. Oh, with sure. um, what's his name? Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk has been nominated for years, but he never won. Has he not? What? He never won. Not for even for this Emmy. season, or has it not even had... for the final? Because guess guess who won for the final season? Like um, like the latest Emmy or like TV award? It was the lead from Squid Game. Uh Yeah. Uh I the timing. I personally timing. think that was. 
even though I like Squid Game, I think Better Call Saul is the much oh, no, better absolutely. TV show. It's timing. It's timing because all and of those award shows, you know, there's. I think ratings. it's more like political. Like yes, as I've grown older, I'm like okay, yeah, like it, these are getting it's, political. It's the politics. It's the politics. yeah, like That's they why. want to be seen as like more diverse. That's why I said timing. Yeah, it's the yeah. political timing of it. That's why. And I don't, and I don't mean this in like in a negative way. I just think like, oh yeah, like I said, timing of it. Yeah. That's it. That's why I'm like, ah, it sucks. Uh, but yeah, like, here's the thing, sucks. though. There, there have been movies that have won Oscars over the past few years that we don't even remember. Right? Oh well, I mean, that's since the Oscars. Do you remember yeah. the movie How Green Is My Valley? I that doesn't exist. That's no, not it does. Do you know what it beat? What What did it beat? Citizen Kane. No. <laughs> what you left me suspect. Yeah. <laughs> no. I was like, do you know the film How Green Is My Valley? I was like, it that movie does Citizen not exist. Citizen fucking Kane. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking like in it for yes. <laughs> there's one year where the English patient won. Oh yeah. And there were like other movies that are in that category. I don't remember what the movies are, but like there are like movies like The Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. um, Pulp Fiction. Yep. Like that, that yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. So it'd be like that. It'd be like that. It'd be like that. It'd be like that. I'm (laughs) like, do you know this movie? That's how I remember it always is because I'm like, that movie beats Citizen Kane. (laughs) (laughs) So actually in the finding the Easter egg section in the DVD menu was an Easter egg by itself. Really? I don't know where to click it, but I had it on VLC player because I watched it on my computer. I think it's the best way to watch it because I watched it on my computer. Oh, um, yeah. I watched it on a computer, too. Look at you. Look I at, watched look it at on us. my... Yeah. Look at, us. look at us, man. Look at us. Look at us. So, the thing is, I got it from the library. And I don't know what it is, but they made it so, like, it's hard to, like, copy the movie onto your computer, which I understand. because uh-huh. Yeah. But, like, the way they did it, they made it difficult to even get to the menu. So mm-hmm. I was just looking like in the, like when I was on VLC, VLC media player, I, I went to like the top tab and it said like playback. I went to like title and just like looked up a different title and I found like the Easter egg section. So I don't know where to find it on a DVD menu because it wasn't in special features, okay. but I found the Easter eggs um, okay. special feature. So that's context for like how I know so many Easter eggs. Some of them I caught yeah. by myself, mm-hmm. but I'm just listing them out right now. Yeah, yeah. So the mascot of the high school is a is, catfish. Is a catfish. <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't see that. I didn't notice Fantastic. that until like once I saw. I that. noticed it was like a, it was definitely like a fish because they called it the fins. But I was I didn't see catfish, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I was like, or wow. is that different? Wait, is that no? I, I might be different. Fins like the fins is the team. no. That's a different football team. That's what the yeah. uncle had. I'm getting them confused. I don't sports. <laughs> it's okay. Me neither. So and also. They say it's an Easter egg. I guess it is, but I noticed it when I first saw it. The front mm-hmm. article in the news website with a man that said surviving the wilderness for nine days. Yeah. So they knew they wanted to have some relevance to the movie. Yeah, no, that's So they sense. set up set up the idea that someone could survive in the woods. Mm-hmm. And that's how I knew she was able to do it because like And it also feeds why John Cho's character put yeah. it together. Yeah. That makes more more actual logical sense. It's like, well, if he read an article, this is why he knows. That's great. Yeah. And it goes to show that the detective didn't read that article either. Yeah, She's no. probably on like a different website. Literally, for sure. 
I think, I mean, honestly, I feel like she could have just not been caught if she was a better detective. (laughs) (laughs) Or better, better person Well, yeah, you know, but, but she wouldn't have a case if she was a better person. (laughs) Another Easter egg is like with the YouTube page that you'll see. It's hidden, Mm -hmm. but there's an honest trailer's thumbnail of the movie searching on the YouTube page. So they, they made it themselves. Like, it wasn't honest trailers that made it for them. They uh-huh. made like an honest trailers thumbnail for the movie searching. And Oh, that's great. Rose and that's just like that's just like call it because like they love that channel. Uh yeah, I'm, not, yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of that I'm not a fan of that channel for for, so for some reasons. I, I'm gotcha. a hater. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> I I enjoy honest trailers. I like them in their heyday. I still enjoy them now, but yeah. And Rosemary Vick is named after Rosemary's baby. That's what I thought. And Vic Mackey from The Shield, who cool. he was a. It's about a, it's a show about like crooked cops. Okay, and cool. I got the anytime I hear Rosemary, I think Rosemary's baby. Yeah, yeah. So, and he said like they wanted to reinforce Rosemary as a mother to mm-hmm. remind that to the audience through her Facebook page. Like I said, with the yeah. profile picture, yeah, and that- also the banner. Mm-hmm. that banner is what got me like started thinking like okay okay because it was like nothing more than a mother's love it's i think it's just the inner like pessimistic not the biggest fan of kids right now in my life where <laughs> i am surrounded by mothers like mothers that are my age a lot of my friends your that age I grew up oh with, wow they're all moms. i understand <laughs> they're all moms and like just this constant like uh, just mind you for the people watching i i like children but i just i'm not i'm not in that phase right now and so this idea when like moms just like you know shove their babies and just they are the light of their life and everyone deserves to treat them with the most glorious of love mm-hmm. i'm just like mm-hmm. Like, I just, I don't like, I'm like, I mean, he's fine. He doesn't have a personality. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm like, he just, he doesn't. Like, I can't have a conversation with him. I, (laughs) I understand what you mean. I said this to my dad recently, like growing up, whenever my dad's friends would try to talk to me, it's always awkward because like, they're like, so, uh, uh, school, uh, what grade are you in? Okay. You like, you like football? Like. I'm always like, yeah, okay, yeah. No. Yeah, like, that's like, it. Like, I mean. I never understood it until I became an adult. And I have friends with kids now. Yeah. Or my cousins, they have kids now. And then I'm like, what do I What do I say to this child? Like, no, he's, literally. He's five. I don't know what to say to him. Yeah, no. It's because for me, it's, it's just, it's the age of the children. Because it's like right. when they're like toddlers, I don't care. I can't, they don't have a personality, but once they hit the seven mark, that's when I start liking kids because then they have their own personality. Even if they're a little shit, I at least respect them (laughs) because they own that they're a little shit. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of those didn't like me because I was a little shit. Um, The word, the word I know for sure is my, my criado, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was called that every single day oh, by a different man. adult. <laughs> oh, and <man>. so, <laughs> let's get back on track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, the thing with Robbie, uh, the, the kid who did it. Yeah. He, okay. He's ever present in Margot's Facebook page. And this I didn't catch. Because really? he, he's the first one to comment on her Facebook posts. He's always like like really? liking her stuff, commenting on her, on her stuff. But I didn't catch it was the same kid. Um, yeah, I didn't catch it either because I remember seeing Robbie, but I right. didn't catch that was the same kid. 
So in Pam's address book, which I did catch, by the way, I caught it the first time. I caught uh-huh. it. Um, the first name that's pulled up is Robbie. Mm-hmm. Robbie Abel. And in the notes, it says like he has a crush on Margo. Yeah. And I will. I said this before. I'll say it again. I caught it the first time. Yeah. The first time. Hey. You see, you see it's a nice Howdy, Easter egg? No, nah, it's investigation. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, and also like the... On the Facebook photos, the names of the characters that are like tagged are named after leads in M Night Shyamalan's films because what? Anish, no, not. Anish is a huge fan of uh, M Night. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's fantastic. I I wouldn't consider myself a fan of uh, M Night Shyamalan, so I didn't really catch that. Mm-hmm. But you'll see. Yeah, it I in, wouldn't like, have caught that when you watch it. Yeah, just because I haven't thought of the names of the of the characters in his yeah. films in a long time, so I wouldn't have caught that. But that's nice. <laughs> I like that. I like that Easter egg. And when um, David's looking up Tumblr for the first time, a TV tropes page for searching is like in the suggestion. Nice. And if you if you like movies, you might like you might know about TV tropes. It's like a Wikipedia for like tropes in TV, mm-hmm. and so just specifically for the movie Searching, they had it there. Nice. And there's like a Facebook trending news article that shows M. Light Shalaman meeting with super fan director in a in a cameo in a film. Uh-huh. Um the director is supposed to be Anish, but that's never happened before. Oh. He's like hoping it'll happen. Oh, th- that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Maybe it'll happen. Another Easter egg, which mm-hmm. they say is an Easter egg, but they mention it right in the film. I think they're kinda like confusing what Easter egg means. Oh, okay. Is when, was, is when Rosemary asked if David was at the lake and he never mentioned that he was at the lake. Did you, did you catch that? When David went to the lake, when he's like, he figured out where she went. Uh-huh. He's like, uh, he's like, Vic, you said she got, she ran away. But like, mm-hmm. he found like the keychain, um, the Pokemon yeah. keychain. And, and she's like, where are you? Are you at the lake? He never mentioned the lake at all. And I caught that. I'm like. He didn't say he was at the lake. I mean, but no. could it have been maybe like, could it have been, um, what's it called? The, the, what do you call it? Uh, hysteria. Like him being hysterical and not thinking about it. And she put it together. No, no, no. Because all okay. you could see was him looking at the phone uh-huh. like, and trees in the background. That's all you could see. Yeah. Okay. And he he showed the keychain. Oh, now I get it. Now I get it. Now I and get he, it. Because he never said he was at the lake. She said, are you at the lake? So right. she's self-incriminating. Oh, right. that's nice. I caught that the first time. I'm like, that's nice. But I How didn't, does she know I didn't catch, lake? I didn't catch that she might have yeah. been like a part of it because I had no idea how she would have been a part of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, she oh. mentioned like, are you at the lake? Are you at I'm the like, lake? What are you oh, talking? He never mentioned the lake. That's great. That's great. Oh, I love that. That's great. It's like that. Uh, did you see Multiverse of Madness? Yes. So you remember when um, um, Wanda she said like, "Don't worry, America will be safe here." Oh yeah. And Doctor Strange that, is like, but I could, but I caught that shit like <laughs> from the moment she said it. She's like, "Why don't you just bring America here?" I was like, Wanda. <laughs> He never said her name. I, I didn't catch that first. But then, like, I'm second like, wait a minute. Huh. Yeah, no. I, I caught but it immediately. Time, but it, I caught it. I yeah. caught it. <laughs> yeah, you did. And this one was far more subtle. So, mm-hmm. proud of you, man. So. Because multiverse is not subtle. It's, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't. I will say, like, um, th- there's another Easter egg, bitch. I don't think it's an Easter egg. 
Um, mm-hmm. these, the moment near the end with the guy who confessed, quote-unquote confessed, uh, he looks off-screen to read the script. That's the Easter egg. Which I noticed oh. it the first time too. Like, no, nah, this guy's bullshit. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I called the bullshit, but it was, but I didn't catch that he was looking at like a script. Yeah. That's great. Like, if you're confessing like to a crime, you don't read yeah. scripts. I mean, sometimes people are anxious and you might put together a script yeah. to but you're describe not gonna, the exact you're not confession. Do, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also, this one, this is like an actual Easter egg. I didn't notice this at all because it's like mm-hmm. hidden, you know? Okay. There's a moment when David opens his Gmail account and there's an email from Seville Hanian, the producer of the film, where he yeah. says that his, his theory is that Margot was catfished by fishing ships, who was no doubt the son of Vic. That is the email and like the subject header right there. Oh and my god. You don't catch this because it's like in the least of emails and it's like towards the bottom. Oh. Or like, but like not at the bottom, but like in the middle of the bottom. So like you don't catch it at all. And I'm like, that's fantastic bro that's fantastic i love and that the last I easter egg that. is the easter egg of all easter eggs did you know that there's an entire subplot happening throughout the entire film that has nothing to do with the characters at all do you want to guess what is what it is do you have any idea it has nothing to do with the characters at all nothing to do with the plot whatsoever does it have something to do with the food like food that they're making oh no no oh okay then i have no idea okay throughout the entire film in almost every single scene there's entirely separate subplot that is happening in the world as david is searching for margot there are reports of green electromagnetic anomalies there are youtube videos there's people commenting about it on UCAS. Oh. There are articles about it. Even in the first article, the news article with the hiker, uh-huh. it's, it's like one of the other list of articles right there. And there's articles of people at NASA being killed, and the president is going to make a statement about it. An oh alien invasion. An alien what? invasion is starting to consume the planet. And what? the subplot is never resolved. And so, <laughs> like, in the final scene with Margot looking at her... Computer, it shows an article the president going to give a statement towards the end of the film, but we never know what happens oh my God. to the human race. That's, this is great. I feel like the Easter eggs have made me love and appreciate this movie even more. Honestly, I like appreciate this so much. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. And there's more stuff, but like I didn't bother to look at it again. Yeah. Um because that's that's like the Easter egg of all Easter eggs right Oh, there. absolutely. <laughs> that's incredible. They're like secretly you've been watching like an alien invasion is happening at the same time that this missing persons case is occurring. Cuz I, I did see a thumbnail for like a YouTube video said like actual alien caught on film and had like 3000 oh, yeah. views. And then like there's other like reports of like um electromagnetic anomalies happening or whatever and like there's like i didn't notice that's the ucast um comments they were talking about that too i was like whoa that's hilarious oh my gosh those are all the easter eggs yes that is that's a lot of easter eggs but honestly i wouldn't expect anything less from a film that is told <laughs> through the medium that it's told through definitely that concludes our conversation today thank you so much clarice for being here i really appreciate you coming back here talking about this very unique film. Yes, thank you so much. I want to ask you real quick, was Searching a hit or a miss with you? Oh, this was a hit. This was a solid hit. 
yeah, I would say it's a hit for me too. Three and a half stars. Yeah. People are giving it four and five. You know, that's your opinion, sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, we do have Citizen Kane. <laughs> <I'm kidding. Yeah. laughs> different, very different film. Very, so, very different film. <laughs> you can't put them in the same place. Like, <laughs> So where can we find you on social media? You can find me at uh, call me underscore Clarice on Instagram. And I am Clarice, C-L-A-R-I-S-S over on YouTube. We're trying to get to the illustrious 25K, hopefully by the end of this year. Things are looking good. I've got tons of reactions. I talk about what makes film and TV so great. So if you guys liked all the analysis that we talked about on this podcast, you can check out more of those things over on YouTube. And I do have a Patreon where I offer even more in-depth discussions about different movies. I recently did um, I recently did The Predators uh, 1 and 2. Uh, coming out next is going to be the How to Train Your Dragon series. So if you guys want to cry with me, go check <laughs> that out. Probably by the time that this comes out, those will be out on my channel. So yeah. Awesome. So that's it for today, folks. You've been listening to the Hit List Podcast. This is Season 5, Episode 3. My name is Jason. And until next time, cross off a new film from your list. Finger guns. Hey, finger <laughs> guns! <laughs>